Hey y'all, it's John, your resident music theater nerd, and Gay, whose therapist, said she would drop me as a client if I didn't stop talking about Glee. Uh, I have an album coming out at the end of July, it's called Advantage, and it is lo-fi hip-hop, it's very chill, it's very relaxing. I made it in quarantine to prove to myself that I could be a songwriter, and honestly, my, uh, my defense mechanisms demand that I pretend like it's no big deal, but I am really proud of it. Give it a listen. Um, I think that genuinely could make me happy, since the Prozac obviously isn't. Anyway, thank you for listening, and I I hope that you too can someday get out of this fandom. If there is hope for me, there is hope for anyone. Thank you, and again, uh, advantage out July thirty first. Hello and welcome to the Singsations podcast. My name is Olive and I, for one, am pissed off that I only just now, this week, realized that the title of this episode is a pun. Just now? Just now. Hi, I'm Eliza and this will be my last podcast, BBW, that being before Barbie watch, because I am going to see it tomorrow. I am also going to see it tomorrow. So let's, we kind of just jump headfirst into this episode. It's a Valentine's Day episode, and we immediately open with Mr. Shu coming into the Glee Club saying, all right, this week we're going to do uh, whatever songs you consider to be the greatest love songs of all time. Didn't we already do this bit with the greatest love song of all time? I definitely feel like we did it before in a Valentine's Day episode, and also they kind of sort of did it when uh, Will proposed to Emma but none of those songs were particularly like amazing. So I guess they were like, we'll do it again. What do you think the greatest love song of all time is? Annie song by John Denver. I was literally going to say Annie song by John Denver. <laughs> the, yeah. There's a couple others I can think of time in a bottle by Jim Croce. Um, and that's it. That's the other one I can think of. I don't know. It, de- it depends on the couple too. People can decide what they feel like is romantic for their situations. Yeah. I do not feel like this episode makes particularly good arguments for any of the songs that it does. I'm also going to say And Then Some by the Arkells because I'm still trying to find somebody to go see the Arkells with me this summer, this fall, when they go on tour again. (laughs) The, like, third or fourth line of this episode is that Regionals is next week. Uh, Yeah, it's next Why are you not practicing for Regionals? I don't know, but I will have to talk about that more next time we record because I already have like a whole, uh, like, I'm already annoyed by it. It Will also announces, so right, like regionals is next week and they need money. They need $250. So they're going to do another bake sale, which everyone in the Glee Club is immediately like, absolutely fucking not. They microdosed everyone in the school last time they did that. Um, and we don't I mean, want it did that work happening. out for them, though. So, like, yeah, I guess. He also suggests doing, like, Valentine's Day caroling to, like, all of the different classes. And again, everyone's like, no, they threw food at us last time we did Christmas caroling. And luckily, Sugar is still here, because in case you've forgotten, Sugar is this rich bitch who's joined the Glee Club. And she just has $250 in her wallet. And she says... Don't don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff when you're rich. You know, I know nothing about the actress who plays Sugar Mata, but, like, shout out to her for being able to say I love the sound of applause even if I have to buy it with a completely straight face. Like, that is a level of acting I simply cannot commit to. Yeah. I know very, very little about Vanessa Lenges. However, uh, she is one of the cast members of Glee who has since come out as genderqueer, and I I love that for her. And so, like, that that money plotline is, like, immediately resolved because Sugar just, like, has money to give the Glee Club. Um, and then she also announces that for Valentine's Day, which is, like, her favorite day ever, um, her daddy is renting out the breadsticks and she's renaming it the Sugar Shack. And everyone's invited, but they have to bring a date. No single people allowed. They're sad and boring and don't exist in my world. That's kind of hysterical. I I will give that to her. That's kind of iconic and funny. Yeah. Once they drop the whole like, oh, I have self-diagnosed Asperger's that's like deeply offensive. Sugar's pretty funny. And and we get like a little hint of it here, but both Rory and Artie are like kind of eyeing her a little bit because Sugar is noticeably single. So she also needs to find a date before her party. 
Which makes me laugh so hard. Like, what if she hadn't gotten a date? Was she just going to cancel the whole thing? I guess. I mean, she's Sugar has faith in herself. I can give her that. We cut from there to Rachel and Finn walking into the big school auditorium. And they both realize that they have received notes that say, come to the auditorium now. It's urgent. Love, Mandy Patinkin. I don't think Finn knows who Mandy Patinkin is. Um... Actually, I'm going to give him credit for that one because I feel like he's watched Princess Bride. I think he knows Princess Bride, but I don't think he would. It's the kind of celebrity to Finn where like he wouldn't be able to picture his face off the top of his head. That's fair. And Rachel's dads are there. They pull in a piano and they are singing, go into the chapel and we're going to get married. And they are played by Brian Stokes Mitchell and Jeffrey Goldblum. I love how you full-named Jeff Goldblum. That was a choice. I forgot his name halfway through saying it. I'll See, now I'll have to leave that audio the way it is because you have to hear the pause before I say his last name because I genuinely forgot what his name was. Also, good time to mention that these are not the same dads who played... I mean, we only saw like a picture of them in the first season, but it, it was a big joke that like, haha, one of Rachel's dads is like a very dark-skinned Black man. So obviously he's not her biological father. Rachel's two gay dads is such a thing that like when you finally like see Rachel's two gay dads, it's like, no, these aren't real. Every time I see Jeff Goldblum in a role, I'm like, no, this isn't real. Jeff Goldblum. And I say this as a compliment because I've never seen Jeff Goldblum in something and not enjoyed the experience. Jeff Goldblum is the actor who is acting the most in anything that he's in. Yep, I agree. And so they have, we don't know this necessarily as an audience, but basically they have heard from Bert and Carol that Rachel and Finn are engaged and, you know, she apologizes for not telling them, but they're like, no, 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 we're not mad at you. We just want to say congratulations. And um, there is something funny. There's an interesting exchange where one of the dads says, um, what better place to say congratulations than on the very stage where you shared your first kiss. And there's a little moment of like caution in Finn's eyes where I think he's remembering like, oh yeah, that was the time I kissed Rachel and almost came in my pants. And I didn't think it was re- almost, I think he actually did. And then the secondary realization of like, oh, and then Rachel told her dads about that. Okay, I think Ra- it's fine that Rachel told her dads that oh, she I, Yeah, I think it's fine too. I just think Finn's reaction is funny. Corey Monteith, everyone. However, this this kind of faux support of their engagement is all a ruse. And we, I guess, don't find it out here, maybe later. But just that, like, they're kind of trying to reverse psychology. Like, oh, yeah, we support you. Even though um, people who get married in their teens basically doubles the likelihood of divorce. But yeah, yeah. we totally support you. Go for it. And so... Rachel's dads want to like like start a Valentine's Day dinner so that like both families can meet each other which I will say is kind of like it's a good point of them to make of like okay you guys want to get married we haven't even met Finn's parents yet and so they're gonna do a Valentine's Day dinner and they're not going to Sugar's thing and we cut into a meeting of the club called the God Squad, which is made up of Mercedes, Quinn, Sam, who I suspect is really only there so that he can hang out with Mercedes, yeah. and a, a new character named Joe Hart, who is played by um, Samuel Larson, who was also um, a winner or a runner-up on the Glee Project. He was one of the two winners of the, the first season. I'm not sure why they introduced rory so much earlier in the season than they introduced joe maybe they just couldn't find a convenient place to slip him in i would suspect that it's that because the characters like so rory's not as hard to sell because you're just like this is an exchange student those exist whereas like joe he's so nothing he really he's just he's literally just a white guy with dreads that's all you can say for his whole character um, he actually is not white. However, that does seem to be the joke that they're making with the character. 
Yeah. As someone who was Christian homeschooled, this Joe is also just insufferable to me because like I knew four of this dude. Well, I mean, I never knew a Christian guy with dreads, but I did know a uh like just I the personality. Yeah, the can I take my shoes off everywhere I go? Um, my best friend is my mom. It, it I think that a- Joe unironically has and repeatedly wore a Jesus freak shirt. Yeah, in the in the interest of describing the scene a little bit, so Quinn, th- there's a moment where Quinn says, you know, when I was at my lowest, I turned to prayer and it seemed to lead me on the right track. So it's like, great, a moment of reflection from Quinn. And then as they introduce joe he says i've been homeschooled my whole life but this past year i realized my best friend was my mom so i wanted to get out and experience the world i just gotta say if your parents slash family are the type of people to like homeschool you from birth best friend is your mom and you're super duper religious to the point that each of that you have bible quote tattoos and each of your dreadlocks is named after a book of the bible since when is this parent suddenly letting their child go to public school I asked my parents if I could go to public school for high school and my dad went, okay, to prepare you for that, I'm going to wake up at 7.40 a.m. every day and I folded within a week. Yeah, my mom laughed when I uh, suggested gently going to a public school for the, the year, I think it was my junior year of high school. She laughed. And then, you know, in the grand scheme of it all, I don't think it would have made much of a difference. It just would have kickstarted me being socially awkward to more people a few years earlier. But, you know. Yeah, I just I just think it's unrealistic that, like, if this is what's established for Joe's family, that, like, all of a sudden they're just going to let him go to public school where people have premarital sex. I think the fuck not. Yeah. I also want to note, they say that Joe is a sophomore. Which means that later on when he has a romance with Quinn, he's a sophomore interested in a senior. I just felt like that's important to note. Also, Sam makes a kind of sassy comment about how Shane, Mercedes' boyfriend, is not a member of the God Squad. Get over yourself, Sam. Yeah, I, I feel like especially at this point, the fact that like she the fact that she hasn't made a decision yet is a decision in and of itself. And she really should tell Shane about the kiss with Sam but like I'm gonna need you to cool it blondie and so because the glee club doesn't need to do the like valentine's day uh singing telegrams anymore um Mercedes and Quinn suggest that the god squad do it and they can uh use the money to do like a charity thing which like you know I'm not against although knowing the god squad it would probably be like a (laughs) anti-abortion they say um adopt a highway so okay that's fine and so we cut to uh, the lunch room where the glee kids are hanging out and they're talking about sugar's party and a person in a gorilla outfit walks up to kurt at the uh at the lunch table with like a valentine's day note and like valentine's day balloons or whatever um, and apparently Kurt has been getting little letters and notes with uh, Valentine's in them for him for a whole week now. Wild. And so he thinks they're from Blaine, obviously, because Blaine is out with That's his, his eye. boyfriend. Yeah, Blaine is his boyfriend and Blaine is out with an eye injury. So, of course, he still wants to do something cute for Kurt for Valentine's Day, even though they can't be together. And sure, I will but- say, this whole thing, minus maybe minus the gorilla outfit, this whole thing, very Blaine-coded. Yeah, the gorilla outfit takes it too far. They Curtin says, it's oh, it's a gorillagram, as if this is a normal thing that happens in their universe. Maybe it is! I'm going to look up gorillagram right now. Oh, I it, is, it is a thing. Oh, well, that's odd. There are a lot of services where you can just, like, pay someone to deliver things for you. I don't know. We switch attention to Rory, and Rory says that he wants to ask Sugar to the party so that he will be Sugar's date. And then Artie is like, no, I'm going to ask Sugar out. I'm going to be her date. And that kind of sets up, like, the whole conflict between them for this episode and kind of the rest of the season. It's truly so weak. It's, it's so weak. It's so milk toast. Um, Rory is like, well, chicks dig accents, so obviously she's gonna fall for me. 
and I'm like, I feel like it has not been established that Rory is like much of a fighter so far, which I guess neither is Artie, but I'm like, neither of you have sass. Neither of you have appeal. Yeah. And Rory pulls out a four-leaf clover, which I guess he just carries with him because Irish, and he gives it to Artie and is like, you're going to need this for all the luck you can get. It's literally just giving xenophobia, but I don't even have a joke. It's just giving xenophobia. We we cut to um, a little montage then as Mike and Tina sing an adorable cover of L-O-V-E by Nat King Cole. We cut to a montage of Artie and Rory asking Sugar out in various ways to like one up each other. So like Artie gives Sugar a little sweetheart candy and then Rory gives her an entire bag of sweetheart candies. And I just got to say, I, I understand that the TV show needs to like condense things to save time sometimes, but like it totally draws attention away from the adorable Mike and Tina performance. Yeah, I wish we could have just focused on that. It would have been better. And like would have been a perfect opportunity for a cute Mike and Tina Valentine's Day storyline, but instead it's like Instead, hey, you have to put up with this bullshit. Yeah, remember these characters? Um, also, Rory gets Sugar a puppy at one point. And I just think that's perhaps one of the worst gifts you can give someone who you're not actively dating and who has not actively told you that they want and are ready for a puppy. Genuinely, I think that giving pets as gifts should be illegal. Like, I think if it's your, it's your 10th birthday and your parents decide, happy birthday, we're going to get you a pet now and you are like in charge of taking care of it and you've been asking them if you could have a dog for ages like it that's one thing you open a box and there's a puppy inside illegal yeah there's like a responsibility thing when like oh if parents have decided that their kid is like ready for the responsibility of a pet fine sugar is not responsible enough for a pet we cut to uh Brittany and Santana in the hallway and Brittany has brought up her laptop and pre- presents it to Santana and says, you know, I made you a playlist of all the songs that I think of when I think of you. The songs are Purple People Eater, Disco Duck, Monster Match, On Top of Spaghetti, Pac-Man Fever, Osama Yo Mama, and Different Strokes. I don't even have a joke for this. Like, this is so perfectly executed. It, it's so adorable. It's so cute. And then guess what? They kiss in the hallway and we get a pan over to principal figgins glaring at them and going teen lesbians and suddenly we go into this very dramatically filmed like close up on their faces you cannot kiss in public anymore um and this isn't about being lesbians it's just about pda and like we've had complaints about pda so it's not allowed in the hallways anymore And Santana immediately calls bullshit and is like, okay, there are people full on making out at the school almost all the time. And we barely touched each other. So how could you call that PDA? Or how how could you call it gratuitous? How could you call it gratuitous PDA? Uh, It's lesbophobia. That's all it is. It's extremely lesbophobic, lesbophobic. It's also extremely timely. In the year 2023, I gotta say. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Like, times have not fucking changed. How, like, a gay person can be like, oh, yeah, I'm getting married to my husband. And they're like, how dare you bring up sexuality in schools when a a straight woman could say the same thing and no one would bat an eye. Yep. Sigh. Because anyway. it's always the same. Ex- it's if a student files a complaint because of religious reasons, uh, which of course sets Santana off on the warpath after some quote Bible thumpers. Because again, like no one's complaining about any of the other people like making out in the hallway. They specifically um, name drop Finchel. I'm certain that Rachel and Finn are super gross to be around. And so that starts us off for like another one of the main plots because obviously Santana's like, hey, I should be allowed to just like kiss my girlfriend who I've worked very hard to be with. And we cut to uh, the Glee Club where uh, or Finn and Rachel are announcing to the whole Glee Club that they are uh, engaged. 
because apparently beforehand they had only told Finn and Mercedes I think I think those were the only two that knew you mean Kurt and Mercedes oh yeah I'm sorry Kurt and Mercedes I mean I would hope Finn knew Finn's the one that asked oh god I can't remember who it is but someone immediately asks when's the baby's due date like because clearly the only reason you would be doing this is because Finn got Rachel pregnant I mean and obviously a lot of people in the glee club are like this is a huge mistake like we're not even fucking right like the same shit that we've said before in previous episodes all of the completely valid reasons why this should not be happening yeah and quinn is notably speaking up against this uh but rachel says you know i i'd be happy to have any of you be part of the wedding party um actually i think a couple of the girls do show support i think tina says it's very romantic and so they extend the offer that like if you want to be part of the wedding party you are welcome to and she says it makes me sad but i would have loved to see you in a bridesmaid's dress quinn um and so they sit down that's all fine and dandy and then artie gets up and he you know announces his little song that he thinks is the greatest love song of all time and he sings let me love you by mario which is, um, I'm going to say it's not for me, but I can see how it could be for someone else. I think the song is just fine and dandy. I don't like Artie's cover of it. I'm going to be 1000% honest with you. Um, I only became generally culturally aware of the artist Mario after he was in Rent Live in 2019 as Benjamin Coffin the third this is the least surprising sentence you've ever said to me and it's true and so I'm gonna move on from that I think it's a good cover I think it is it's just not like my style of music I guess and of course Sugar is completely taken with having a song sung to her at all um she's very flattered and so immediately is like absolutely I'll go out with you sits down in his lap and goes wheel me to class and so, okay, I guess they're gonna be together now. We go from there to um, like out on that big outdoor concrete eating area that the school has. God, what's that called? I it's not the cafeteria. The the yeah, quad. The, I don't know. It's the, the outdoor place that area. is completely unreasonable to have in Ohio, which notably has winter. And actually, Santana and Rachel are talking. Santana approaches Rachel because she's like, you know, I know everyone else says that you guys are too young. But for the record, I'm I'm totally in support of you guys. And I think I fully support your right to be unhappy with Finn for the rest of your lives. You should be able to love whoever you want. And they are approached by the God Squad uh, because Finn has bought a, a singing telegram for Rachel. and so. Uh, led by Joe Hart, kind of primarily, and Sam, they sing Stereo Hearts by Gym Class Heroes, which genuinely might be the first time I've thought of Stereo Hearts by Gym Class Heroes since the year 2012. I would agree with that. However, as soon as, like, obviously I heard it when it was happening in the episode, but as soon as you said Stereo Hearts, my brain started doing the song. I can't remember just about anything, but I remember the entirety of Stereo Hearts. I hate it um, here in my brain. Yeah, it's such a little earworm. It really is. It's a classic one-hit wonder. And they it's a good cover. It's also very unrealistic. There's like an entire band out. And I'm like, okay, where did they get the time, the budget, the energy to pull this all out here? It's also one of these dumb... Oh my God, they have a whole like fucking church choir join them which i guess is mercedes's church because they've had they've pulled them in but before. like don't all of those people have better things to do on like presumably a wednesday afternoon don't those teenagers also have school to go to because it's not like mckinley is the only high school in the fucking state i would say this is a much stronger just vocally not as like a character but for a song to introduce a winner of the glee project with this is much stronger than the like slow crooners that they introduced rory on and that's like a big success everyone in the quad is like going crazy over it even though if this was happening around me i would leave as soon as possible i would be throwing things at the end of that number stereo hearts 
Santana walks up to the God Squad and is like, oh, I can buy a Valentine for anyone I want, right? And they're like, yep, 10 bucks. You can do it for anyone. And she goes, great. I want to send one to my girlfriend. My girlfriend, who's a girl because we're lesbians. That won't be a problem, will it? Yep. And, and it, it kind of, wouldn't you guess it, kind of does end up being a problem. We go from there to the next Glee Club meeting of the, the day, I guess, because we've had like four Glee Club meetings so far. I want to add really quick that we have also another note to Kurt, quote unquote, from Blaine. Uh, mm-hmm. Be mine forever from your secret, honey. And he says, Blaine is such a romantic. I do think, like, again, the first time you watch this episode, if you don't know how it ends, you are like, yeah, this is such, like, an in-character thing for Blaine to have done, to just have gotten somebody to put silly little note pun Valentine notes in Kurt's locker. Yeah. Especially since it seems like such an easy thing. Blaine could have easily, like, gotten, well, probably not gotten Finn to do it, because Finn would probably screw it up, but gotten one of their friends to do it he could have gotten mike to do it yeah mike's a bro he would have done it yeah and so we're back in glee club and rory gets up and says you know i've been trying to get my student visa extended uh but i just found out that my request was turned down so when the school year ends i'll have to go back to ireland and he's acting oh so very tragic and he sings a song about like, oh, how much he misses Ireland and his family, but also how much he's going to miss the Glee Club. He sings Home by Michael Bublé. And um, do you mean Bublé? Yes. Have you not seen the SNL sketch Ham and Bubbly? No. OK, well, I will send you the SNL sketch Ham and Bubbly after this. Great homework. I just have to say, that's how a student visa works anyway. Yeah, like, yes, you have to go home at the end of the year. But also, like, cell phones fucking exist. I don't know. Um, I'm not a big Michael Bublé fan. And so, again, I'm like, I understand how someone could like this cover. It's just not for me. I actively have Michael Bublé as an artist blocked on Spotify, so nothing he ever sings shows up for me. I didn't know you could do that on Spotify. That's interesting. Almost a little tragic that like the only songs they ever give Damien McGinty on this show are these like slow crooners, which he does like objectively a good job with, but they get boring to watch after like 60 seconds. Yep. And Sugar is immediately taken with this as well. And so she also has her heart persuaded by, um, having a song sung not to her but it makes her feel bad for rory and she says i feel worse for you than i do for artie so you're gonna be my date for valentine's day just Why dumps can't artie. Just have two dates could just have two dates uh frankly for someone like sugar she would love the attention it's her party she can make the rules yeah um and then we cut to the god squad meeting where they are discussing about how uh, discussing what the position the God Squad will take on gay people. Which is interesting because all of these people are friends with Kurt and Blaine. So I'm like, how did Kurt and Blaine feel about their friends being like, mm, actually, do we hate gay people? <laughs> we haven't made up our minds yet. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, not hate, but you know, we don't think it's okay to be gay. Obviously, the three of them that are in Glee Club are like, well, you know, we're friends with gay people. We sing with gay people. So um, we try not to judge anyone. And Joe says, I've never met anyone who's gay. Mercedes says, they say that one out of every 10 people are gay. And if that's true, that means one of the 12 apostles might have been gay. And my guess is Simon, because that name's the gayest. I think that this is one of the top 10 Glee lines. There's, they do not, we do not give a lot of credit for Amber Riley's comedy chops, I think, because we're often too distracted by how amazing her singing is, but, but this is a solid line. Um, It's a solid line. It's solid delivery. No notes. Yeah. I mean, notes Um, on the homophobia, but no notes for Amber Riley. (laughs) Yeah. Um, 
and Sam and Quinn, I think, make the point that like, oh, Bible says that man shall not lay with man, but in Cub Scouts, we slept next to each other all the time. And Quinn's like, yeah, the Bible also says eating lobster and planting different crops in the same field are sins, but like slavery was fine back then. So, so clearly, you know, things have adjusted in due time. And so, so together they need to kind of figure out what the, the club's stance on this is going to be. And Mercedes is like, well, I don't want to hurt Santana's feelings, but I also don't want to make anyone do something they're not comfortable with. So it kind of ends up being down to Joe because it's my like, hot well, take is I don't want to hang out with people who aren't cool with my friends who are gay. So yeah, I, I agree. I think if anyone in this group is like, Ooh, no. Also, it's not really hurting Santana's feelings. It's Santana is testing to see if her friends are homophobic. Yeah. Like her, her feelings aren't going to be hurt. Your face might be hurt when she punches you. Exactly. And so they end that scene with a sentiment from Quinn that um, we really have to look at the hard topics and dilemmas and be honest and truthful. That's what being Christian is really about, which I don't know if a lot of people would argue that's what being Christian is about, but that is at least a sentiment that hits very hard for Mercedes because she has not been honest with someone in her life. And so in the next scene, uh, she's at her locker and Sam brings her uh, like, you know, a heart filled with chocolates for Valentine's Day, which bad move, dude. And he even says that it's, he has a statue of St. Valentine, but it's not actually a statue of St. Valentine. It's one of the three wise men and he repainted it to look like St. Valentine. And she just cuts him off going, I told Shane. Yeah. I mean, as she should. And also like, dude, you're not even together and you know how much strife Mercedes has been going through, like with this whole situation. Can you give her some time? The other thing, he has like no sympathy for her struggle. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's no sympathy, but, like, he very much is not, he does not seem to be aware of her struggle. <laughs> Maybe because he's kind of dumb. I, I don't know who to blame in this situation, and I guess they're both to blame because, you know, Sam was definitely the pursuer, but also Mercedes very consciously made the choice to hang out with Sam in intimate spaces. They're kind uh, of just both wrong. Yeah, and, well, and the sad thing is, too, so, so she tells Shane and sam asks was he mad and mercedes says no he was sad he cried and said it felt like i punched him in his heart which like oh i feel so bad for shane shane was such a solid guy he really was and we like never hear from him again after this which like is understandable if mercedes broke his heart like that also sucks because he was a good character yeah and I, I guess in the long run i don't think she and shane were together for that long maybe like a semester but you know that's enough time to trust someone and think that they won't kiss someone else. I mean, what? They got together beginning of the school year and it's February. So like five months. And and so she tells Sam that, you know, I I feel awful and I do love you. But this whole situation um, reminds me that I'm not the person that I thought I was. And Sam says like oh well we would never cheat on each other and she's like well I thought I would never cheat on Shane so yeah, obviously she had some soul searching to do yeah I got some soul searching to do gotta gotta fix some things about myself before I'm like moving on and so she sings I will always love you the Whitney Houston version which is just a, a song made for Amber Riley to sing as far as I'm concerned like wow yeah. And this is truly like the performance level that Mercedes deserves too cuz she is like spotlit on that stage, gorgeous red dress, just singing her heart out, and Sam is crying in the auditorium. It's so dramatic. This is we, peak glee in a good way. And in case you thought you could get through an episode without hearing Rachel Berry sing, no no no. We cut to Hudson Hummel Berry dinner party for valentine's day where rachel is singing you're the top from anything goes with her dads um which they did release this cover because i guess they were like we're paying the money for jeff goldblum we're gonna make that bitch sing i um, guess 
And Can I just also say, this feels like a weirdly passive-aggressive song choice to make two of the only canonically gay characters in this show sing. You mean just because it's, like, so Broadway? The lyrics are literally, baby, I'm the bottom, you're the top. I mean, that's the joke. I know. I just don't like it. I think it's stupid. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the I would say the Barry fathers are having a good time at this dinner. The Hudson Hummel parents are, like, a little awkward, maybe. They don't know all of the, like, Broadway references. And obviously, the Barrys are just, like, you know, a little fancier, a little better off than they are. It's um, giving so- Finns from the wrong side of the tracks. <laughs> yeah. You know, Bert Hummel, our unproblematic king. I, you can kind of see in his eyes in this, it's just like, I'm so glad that Kurt's gay, but not gay like this. Um, and Jeff Goldblum stands up and proposes a toast to Finn and Rachel and says, um, the secret to a long and happy marriage is to never go to bed without moisturizing. And again, it's all part of this like scheme that, you know, they need to passive aggressively show their support for the marriage while actually discouraging it. And so they then segue to like all right you kiddos gotta go upstairs and have sex and finn and rachel are so awkward it's so bad it's so scream cry yell um there's also this whole um thing with double entendres with lube and they're talking about cars that that's the part that feels homophobic to me they're like haha lube And so, like, it's apparently this plan that, like, all four of the parents are in on that, like, they've packed Finn a little bag and, like, oh, you're gonna, like, sleep with Rachel for the first time. And, like, this is what being married is like. So, you know, deal with it. You're gonna go upstairs and you're gonna have sex. And so Finn and Rachel, of course, feel extremely pressured. And Carol and Bert leave. Finn and Rachel go up to the bedroom and they're like, okay, this is not how we expected this going. And now we have to, like, kind of share a bathroom for our, like, nighttime routines. Because I, Finn and Rachel have been sexually active for a bit now, but I guess have not slept over at each other's houses, is I I guess the... The implication uh, here. Yeah, Rachel also also gets into something that I feel so strongly about. I cannot imagine marrying a person without having an idea of what it's like to live with them. Not even, like, having to live with them long-term, but, like, without even doing this, like, how annoying is your bedtime routine? I actually think this ends up being a really good, I mean, of course, it backfires on Rachel's parents, you know? Like, exactly, that's what I'm saying, as I think that this is a good learning experience for them, not in the way that their parents intended. Yeah, where they're, like, sharing a space. Okay, well, we have to, like, make sure that the other person is okay with taking up space and time next to each other and yeah like you said Rachel's bedtime routine is like extremely tedious and so uh they like start to get in bed but then they're like well what are we gonna do when we're like sharing an apartment in New York and like we're both working or going to school and it does start a little bit of an argument because it's like well you're not making time for me or you're not making space for me. Uh, Rachel says, I knew one day you'd be intimidated by my success, which Rachel, if you know that already, maybe put a pause on the whole marriage thing. We cut downstairs to Rachel's dads and they can hear Rachel and Finn like squabbling in the ceiling above them. And so they're like, oh, great. Our plan is working. Which this is, I think, like, the first official inkling we get that this is what the plan has been all along. Yeah. Or actually, you know what? That scene might be a little later. But we cut from there to um, setting up the sugar shack. It's breadsticks, but it's, like, set up for Valentine's Day. And Kurt has gotten there a little early because um, he's gotten a Valentine and he thinks that Blaine might be meeting him there. um, Because I guess he, you know, has had enough time now and might be recovered from the surgery, yada, yada. Wouldn't you know it? Another Valentine shows up. It's another fucking gorilla gram and delivers candies and is like, oh, my God, so wonderful. Happy Valentine's Day. I think I love you. And Kurt's like, oh, you think you love me? Because like he and Blaine have been saying I love you to each other for many months now. This whole scene, man. And and the gorilla takes off his mask. And it turns out it's Dave Karofsky. And that's the reveal that like 
Karofsky has, you know, I guess done a lot of soul searching as well. And Kurt uh, has this line that's, you tormented me, shoved me into lockers, called me horrible names, and hate kissed me. Now, after one conversation in a bar, you want us to be together. Well, and you see, I think, so much, like, despair in Dave Karofsky right now, too. Where, like, we find out next episode that, like, you know, he is not out at his new school, of course, and immediately gets bullied when he is outed. So I truly, I look at him and I just see someone who is so despondent with no other queer people in his life reaching out to the one queer person he knows because he thinks that's what love is. And it's not. Yeah, Yeah, that's my hot take about this one is I don't think that Karofsky is in love with Kurt. I think Karofsky is so desperate to be loved and Kurt is the only person he can think of who knows what that feels like. Yeah, I don't think that's a hot take at all. I think that's exactly what's happening, that J- Dave has just formed this, like, if I may, a parasocial relationship with Kurt, where, like, for so long, he was the object of his hatred, because Dave was also hating himself. And now Dave wants to love himself or wants to love the queer parts of himself but like just can't quite get there. And so Kurt tries to let him down very gently and is like, you know, I, you just think you love me. You don't even really know me that well. Oh God, Dave says, I haven't come out at school yet, but maybe I will next year, which is so like hopeful and beautiful. And knowing what comes next episode is just like so tragic. And and Kurt even says, like, I'm so proud of you for coming so far, and I want you to be happy, and you will be happy, but I'm with Blaine, and I like you, but just as friends. Yeah. Which is, it's so sad, too, because, like, I, I think there is something so interesting about Kurt and Dave, like, just becoming friends after this. Like, just having a bond of, like, we both know what the other has been through, and... Kurt being willing to forgive Dave for everything that he did. Better fucking person than me. And it's it's very sad. Of course, Dave is embarrassed about the whole situation. And right as he starts to leave, wouldn't you know it, one of the dudes from Dave's new school shows up and like sees him obviously delivering a Valentine to this gay guy. Dave tries to brush it off like, oh no, no, we just bumped into each other. We used to go to school together. Yeah, and we'll put a pin in that for now. now. I just have to say, as someone who is a pretty good liar, I would have gone with the, I was delivering stuff for his boyfriend. Yeah. Because a gorillagram is apparently an accepted thing in society. Yeah, Uh, apparently in this world, a gorillagram is just a normal thing that people do for each other. Just be like, side hustle, man, you know? Um, But that's neither here nor there. Anyway. We cut back to Rachel and Finn, and they have seemingly resolved their little fight, which- I have a question, actually, because I don't think that they get into this in the episode or any episode after. Do you think Kurt tells Blaine about this? Ooh. I feel like- Because, you know, later on in season six, Dave and Blaine end up dating, which I think is stupid, and it should have been Sebastian. It would have been spicier. First of Um, all, don't talk to me about Blaine and Dave dating, because I refuse to acknowledge that as part of Blee canon. But then second of all, I don't think that Kurt tells Blaine immediately. I do think that it comes up, like, like off screen, it will come up after the events of next episode. Honestly... Now that I'm thinking about it, I think that they have Valentine's Day together because, you know, the big reveal of Blaine is fine. I think that they take that time together, but I feel like maybe the next day or the day after that, I think Kurt tells him then. Yeah, well, and and next episode is regionals too. And so I feel like it 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 happens somewhere off screen in there because I do yeah. think Kurt and Blaine have a healthy communication with each other about those sort of things. And so we go to, we switch back to Rachel and Finn in bed together because they've resolved their little argument, which it wasn't even that bad of an argument. You know, it it was just stressful, I think, because they weren't expecting to be shoved into this situation by their parents. And they're all ready for bed, but they realize it's only 7.15. And so they say, oh, do you want to go to breadsticks? Because Sugar's party is still going on. Yeah. And 
I think this this is when we get to see Rachel's dads like trying to listen in, trying to listen to them arguing. They're like, oh no, our plan isn't working. They're not fighting anymore. They're not getting the idea that like marriage is hard, living together is hard. I and they they basically say the thing that I that I we most people have been arguing this whole time, which is nobody is saying they they have to break up. They're just too young to get married. And I guess it was it was Jeff Goldblum's idea to use the reverse psychology, but like it doesn't seem to be working. And then Finn and Rachel come downstairs and they're all dressed to go out. And they're like, yeah, we just wanted to hang out with our friends tonight. And But then Rachel says to her dad's like, oh, actually, thank you so much for like inviting Finn over tonight because it's actually given us an opportunity to like get used to each other because we're getting married in May right after nationals scream so like literally right after they graduate and just a complete backfire of the initial plan yeah exactly um in fairness like i do actually think this was a good lesson for finn and rachel to learn they just took like a bit of the wrong message from it because i don't think they should get married in may oh definitely not i do think they learned a good lesson about like sharing space and time with each other we cut back to the sugar shack and um, I didn't mention this earlier, but she's done it twice this episode where she like hides gifts under people's chair. But she says Artie's chair keeps moving. So his is in a potted plant. And they are uh, $200 gift certificates for Bed Bath & Beyond, Panda Express, and Swatch Watch. The God Squad gets up on stage and Joe makes a little speech about how, you know, Santana asked God Squad would sing a love song for those lesbians and after really praying about it i knew there was only one right answer and i guess they try to do a fake out where like you think he might say no but this is fucking glee so of course they're like love is love it doesn't matter and they sing um cherish by madonna matched up with cherish by the association it's a pretty good quinn number it's not wowing me is what i will say yeah it's give you know what this number is giving every other het duet that we've had a duet, if you will. There I think times- that that is a good for the message that love is love and gay people can be just as boring as straights. I just, there are times the tune gets stuck in my head. You don't know how many times I wish that I could hold you. I get that stuck in my head constantly. I don't love the song. I do like specifically get that sound clip stuck in my head. There's something about Diana Agron, Diana Agron's voice that's like, it's not very strong, but it's definitely an earworm. Her voice gets stuck in my head a lot. And Santana and Brittany kiss in front of everyone. It's very beautiful because earlier in the episode, of course, they weren't allowed to like kiss in public. So that's very nice. Um, and also we see Artie looking despondent because Sugar has gone with Rory to her party. And then wouldn't you they know have a hilarious little conversation where it's she's like i'm gonna miss you so much when you get deported maybe Ugh. my dad can just buy ireland jesus i mean again i do think sugar is kind of funny sometimes and also one of the main reasons why that cherish song is like not super impressive is because right afterwards sugar announces to everyone that blaine is back and he shows up in a red fedora and a red velvet heart-shaped eye patch that he then rips off and he's suddenly fine he's great and they sing love shack by the b-52s and it fucks it bangs the way it- that darren chris and chris colfer's voices were made for this song Genuinely, I watched this recently because I rewatched the episode. As soon as we finish recording, I'm going on YouTube and I'm just watching this number again. It's a great fucking number. Do this shit for regionals. Put some cool choreography in there. They totally could have done this. It brings down the house. It's a great end to the episode. And I don't think I have to... I, I will say, honorable mention to I Will Always Love You, but Love Shack is the best song of the episode. Love Shack is the best song this episode. It's non-negotiable. Yeah, the I will always love you is fantastic. It's it's a it's a bit of a park and bark, if I can use a, a phrase that Glee once brought up. It's a ballad, and sometimes you don't want a ballad. Sometimes you want Blaine Anderson to rip his eye patch off and start screaming Love Shack. Yeah. 
Um, and also Will hasn't really been present this episode, so I don't feel the need to dwell on him. Um, next episode gets real serious because we're going to uh, come back around to the Dave Karofsky stuff. And then also it's suddenly yeah. regionals. And they, as always, have to choose their songs like the day before and then it's perform so in the worst. wild how the Karofsky thing and regionals is the same episode. They pack in so much towards the end of season three. I feel like a lot of the episodes we've reviewed recently, I mean, obviously all Glee episodes are like a little terrible to get through sometimes, but they have been solid plot-wise recently, and I feel like they all lead up to this. I don't even really have a funny way to end this episode that we're recording because like, I know things are about to get rough. Handshake meme, Teen Wolf, Glee, Second half of season three is the best part of the whole show. And now time for our final segment. And here's what you didn't miss on Glee, which is where we run through our Spotify's and pick a song that Glee did not do, but we'll tell you how Glee would have done it. This was already playing because I just played the Barbie movie trailer for my mom and then I wanted to listen to the the song. Literally just make your own kind of music by Cass Elliot. I feel like, oh God, I mean... It's because I have the page pulled up right now and I know what's coming next episode is the regionals where they like have to do inspirational songs. I feel like they would just throw it in as like a regional group performance, no? I mean, yes, but picture. Holly mm-hmm. Holiday number. Ooh, okay. See, I was thinking only Glee Club members and I can see them bringing Gwyneth Paltrow on for some bullshit reason. And I think she would kill that song too. Yeah. How about We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel? Because that's a Finn-coded number if I ever heard one. I'd love to see Finn do that. I think Cory Monteith has the range. Yeah, I would have loved to see him just go ham. Like, I want to say it's like a all-guys number. Maybe they're doing like a girls versus boys again. And they do all-guys. And it's led by Finn, Blaine. Maybe Puck gets a verse in there. I think they could do a really fun boppy around the stage number. And again, I don't think it would be linked with a plot. I think they would just get up on stage. Yeah, no plot. It. Just they start singing, we didn't start the fire. Do you think that they, that I could, I personally, me, could write a parody of we didn't start the fire, but it's the events that transpire throughout the p- plot of all six seasons of Glee? I think you personally would absolutely fucking kill that. I'm being so serious. Thank you very much. I'll put a pin in that for now. I have to graduate by the end of this year, and we'll see after that. We'll see after that. Okay, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram at SingSationsPod. That is S-I-N-G-S-A-T-I-O-N-S-P-O-D. Please vote on our Spotify polls. Please leave us reviews. We love reading your reviews. Friend of the pod, John Osborne, has an album dropping on 10 days from now on the 31st of July. Everybody go listen to it. Everybody Uh, go listen to it, please. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.